to Everything in Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and everything in between. I kind of forgot my intro there. Oh my god, I think we jinxed it last week when you were surprised. I could remember. Must have been the pressure. I know. Oh my god. Okay, well, I won't mess up next week. So, I don't know. Do you want to do this before or after I ask you about your week? Uh, I don't know. I actually don't know what's better. Ask you about your week first. So, okay, how was your week? Well, the we're gonna bring it back to Liverpool, of course. Oh yeah. And uh, so this week, Man City pretty much closed the gap with a game in hand and tied Liverpool, but took the we're in top of the table because of goal differential. I think they were plus seven. But today, Liverpool played. We just watched the game, and uh, they won, which is great. 3 nothing. So now at the same level of games, both have 26 games played. They're back to three points in the lead. Yes. But City plays again tomorrow, so it could be City could be back in the lead tomorrow if they win. If they right. win, they're, they're at top. If they tie, then Liverpool's still in the top. Or if they lose, which would be the best. But, again, it's going to come down the wire. Um, but uh, it's been like a pretty rocky, rocky week that way. Um, other than that, uh, I'm very happy that you're done with driving school. Yes, whatever. driving school is over. Because I believe I, I passed the test. Well, not the driver's test, but once you do your hours, you have to take a test to prove. Like, yeah, no. I just was sick of driving you there at that period of time all the time. Also, I've become like the most annoying passenger now because every like. I wouldn't say that. Are you sure? Because I keep pointing out all the things we learn. And like, we your mom just listens to the podcast, so I can say. No. (laughs) (laughs) So you're not the most annoying. Wow. (laughs) Oh. (gasps) Because the thing is, the difference is that you're learning, right? So you're now aware and that's great. And I'm all for it. And I think that's perfect that if you're pointing out, like, you got to do this, do that. I don't. I don't find that at all annoying. I just think that that's, you know, it's how you learn. So it's, that's great. Yeah. It's I, if you keep doing it forever, year after year. Well. So we'll either see. that just says I'm a terrible driver or I don't know what to <laughs> say. Um, yeah, I, w- I w- did want to say that we were going over like different, we, we were talking about alcohol, which I really couldn't contribute much to that discussion, but we somehow we got into the topic of amber alerts right right and um the the woman who was teaching us she was like oh yeah you know the amber alert is after like this case that happened and i was like cracking my knuckles i was like i know this case <laughs> i was like i heard on my favorite murder i like i know this and she was just like yeah so it's about this girl named like amber hagerman and i was just nodding along she was like you know it? and i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm pretty sure my driver just, and like everyone that was there thinks i'm pretty crazy but you know it had to happen sometime or another. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. We watched a lot of videos of car crashes, which was really, really scary, and lots of paranoia about that. But I guess we'll just have to have our fingers crossed. No, we all have had to go through that, and 
Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. But yeah, that's good. I'm glad that now you just have to go. I have to get my permit. I have to do some driving hours. And then I have to take my road test. Yeah. Oh, man. It's Watch out, guys. <laughs> the streets are no longer safe. <laughs> Again, we're in Massachusetts. It's already like an obstacle course out there driving. Yeah. So. All right. Well, have you anything else to say before we move on to our little surprise thing? Uh, no. I think uh, no other shows yet. I mean... Uh, nothing that's i mean we are watching that show happy valley which oh my god which is it's very not intense. a happy show it is but it's good i like it i do like it, it. is good yeah no very but that's badass. it yeah yeah so as some of you all may know uh the day that this comes out is february 13th which is also can you oh we didn't introduce ourselves i just realized i think it's past that i'm emma i'm the dad and that's anish okay <laughs> anyway it's going to be your birthday on February 13th. Yes, it is. You don't seem so excited. Yeah. Well. I've, I've had many now, so, you know. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I still get excited about my birthday. And you should. And I do. So, um, I figured since, you know, podcast birthday coinciding, it's the universe telling me that I should give you a gift while we're recording. So, here we go. I ordered you three things. Wow, I ordered you three things. Only two of them came. Um, but here you go. And when the third thing comes, I'll give it to you. Okay. And you have to like it even if you don't like it. So should I, is it in any order? Or do I just, it does, can I just doesn't pull, matter. It, pull things just out? Just pull things out. All right, here we go. Do the first one. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh. I figured you'd want no, to read it. that's good, yeah. The Haunting of Hill House. Yes, yes, yes. But that's really cool. Version. This is your, well, this is, yeah, the version yes um, i figured you'd want to read it no it's yeah no this is uh i have not read it before um and i'm i'm intrigued because i know that the the show was nothing it, you know wasn't exactly like the book so mm -hmm. that's cool um and i know there's been a couple movies that i've seen but uh but again everyone all horror folks basically will say that this is like the the best haunted house oh yeah story ever have you read it nope okay cool. i just am saying oh yeah all right awesome all right doing another one now. number two here we go Oh, the Green River Murders. Yeah. I have not read that either. Once you're done, I want to read it because when I was trying to find the book for you, I was like reading the back and I was like, whoa. Yeah, no, no. I, I know the story. I mean, I know at, at a very high level, but not the detail. And it's Anne Rule, who is a great writer. And uh, yes. It's uh, Green River Running Red by Anne Rule, for those of you who can't see. This is awesome. No, I'm kind of, this is cool. I'm, I am psyched. It's... Uh, this will be fun. A fun read. I'm actually looking the. Uh, I'm trying. The Green River. Is unsolved. I know nothing I about it. I believe it is. I thought it was. I'm just reading the back right now to make sure. Uh, oh no! I guess this one is. There's another one that I thought wasn't, but I guess they. Yeah. All right. I'm not cool. Awesome. Thank you very much. These are. This Happy will be birthday. Good, these will be good reading. Yes. <laughs> And then I, the the third one, I'll tell you when it gets here. But um, all right. So yeah. if I'm quiet, it's because I've started reading this while you're telling your story. Hey! Just, whoa! Whoa! <laughs> whoa! Kidding. Whoa! <laughs> here, I can't take them and move um, here. That's cool. That's cool. The other book that you know, it's funny because like you know, the one I'm reading right now is that whole the uh, Adventures in the Screen Trade by William mm. Goldman, which uh, you should read that too. But I um, do want to read that. But it, um, it's all about storytelling. So 
So when we do write our novel or our screenplay, we'll oh, have yeah. everything ready to go and enough histor historical um, experience, background, and everything else. Um, well, thank you very much. This is a good start to the birthday. So is this now a birthday week? No, wait, so no, I get no, something, no, everything. no, no, okay, no, so no, tomorrow, no. I expect. Wait, hey, and then Monday, no, I don't, I don't appreciate this. Is great. This. this is awesome. No, yeah, no I tried I like to do it. something birthday nice, week. and now I'm feeling really attacked. Week. Sweet, no. birthday, attacked. No. Oh, birthday week. No. All right, so let's think. Like, there's a lot of things that'd be cool to get. No, and you know, cake and chocolate mousse, things like that. Uh, oh, thanks. Awesome birthday week. All right, please. This is a mistake. Okay. <sighs> Anything else you'd like to say? I'm just trying to think about my birthday week. Go oh, ahead. my God. <laughs> so um, this, I just want to make sure. So you're doing what kind of story? I'm doing a true crime story. All right. Okay. So we're not doing the same types of things. All right. Good. No. For a hot second there, we thought we had the same story. I. It, it'll be weird if that actually happens where we end I up doing this. I don't think we do because. No, not today. But if it ever oh, happens. Oh, if it ever happens. Then I don't know They talked about that on My Favorite Murder because they keep their secret from each other. Yeah, you should. And they were like yeah if we ever do the same story we're gonna like have a story that we type up that we'll do together it's like gonna be in a folder and neither of us knows what it is and then we'll just do it together that i was just thinking like how you combine it so you can kind of do your point first yeah no, right that's cool all right but i don't know what will happen if we ever get the same story um okay so let's dive in shall we please okay so today i'm gonna tell you about the first mass murder in america Huh. Do you know it at all? Well, the, I haven't given you any information. Well, yet. I guess the thing is that there are, I, I, I keep reading that it's kind of a badge of honor when you see some. So I feel like there's multiple stories that say they're the first. But right, this one, all the articles said it was the first, and you'll see. So basically, um, first before I do this, it's not actually that well known, which was surprising to me because it didn't even have its own Wikipedia page. Um. And I, most of the like things I found were actually a lot of this information was found recently oh, cool. through like, there's this one guy who pretty much devoted like years and years to like finding out the truth of this case. And he found like all these things that were, I'll, I'll talk about them later, but, right. um, so since I feel bad cause you keep saying all your sources and I don't, so here's some of my sources. <laughs> um, I got some of this from Sutery. Uh, it, well, that's, that was just a picture. Okay. Um, a little bit of like historical background, um, Connecticut history.org, um, newstimes.com, uh, gizmodo and accessible archives. Okay. So, um, this is the story of Barnett Davenport. Never heard of it. All right. Good. So Barnett Davenport was born to mill owners in New Milford, Connecticut in 1760. Uh, at age 14, he confessed that he was obsessed with committing murder, but was controlling the urges. And um, did his family, I mean, is he first generation or, or do they say where um, he's from or anything like that? Well, I mean, I think they're all I know it's over a, I, from... Right, I know they came over yeah. from Europe. I'm just trying to figure out: was I, yeah, he born I, here? Or was he I born in Europe? Well, you said New Milford, so he was born in New Milford, so he's he's first generation. Oh okay. yeah, yeah right. yes. Right, right. Oh my god, I'm so All stupid. Right. Okay, um, yeah, there's not that much about his childhood. It just no, jumps it's... right into the crime. Yeah. Uh, uh, um. So. So this is um, pre-colonial days. Yeah. So instead of you know murdering people, he committed robbery and thievery, 
Uh, so are we jumping now to older? Or are nope, we saying we at 14? Like 14 to like Yeah, but at 14 in, that, in those days, are like 30, right? Pretty much. <laughs> he was a pretty like troubled kid, you know? Um, and then at 16, he joined the Continental Army and served under George Washington. So he was born in 1760. Yeah. So it's, an, oh, so it's mm-hmm. 1776. Yeah. Okay. So he used numerous false identities while serving, um, both to get into the army and then just, just sort of for fun, I guess. Uh, he also served under Benedict Arnold. Um, he was at Valley Forge, Fort Ticonderoga, and Mon- Monmouth Courthouse. Oh, so he was in the all up and down uh, yeah, he was New York into New Jersey. And um, what was the other one you said? You said Monmouth? Uh, Monmouth Courthouse. And what was the other two before that? Fort Ticonderoga and Valley Forge. Valley Forge, so Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, but like I said, he was a troublemaker. He was convicted as a horse thief while serving. Uh, and then he didn't last very long because at age 20, he deserted the army and returned home. Okay. So, not much about his early life, but now we're going to jump right into the murders. So, he started working for Caleb Mallory, who was the owner of a farm and grist mill in Washington, Connecticut, in Litchfield County. All right. Uh, This is their house. I'm going to turn my computer so you can see. It's a nice drawing. It's a nice drawing. Well done. Looks like a postcard. It does look like a postcard. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that was from the accessible archives. Um, so he, uh, so in order to get the job, he presented himself as Nicholas Davenport, his younger brother. Okay. Nicholas uh, actually lived about thirty minutes away in Torrington, Connecticut. Yep. Uh, and didn't know about like this fraud until well later. Was there a name for him already? I mean, was he known as? I mean, because he was a horse I mean, thief. Only like and these petty things. things. So he he already had. So he has a record. That's why he's using the, the name of his younger brother. Yes. Okay. And like, I'm sure that identity theft is much easier in the 1700s. Well, he, again, he must have already had a reputation because yeah. I don't understand why he would have. But also, if he was planning any murder or something. I, I guess if you're introducing yourself. I'm Nicholas Davenport. I'm here to kill you. Well, no, but... Uh, just, again. <sighs> That's not what I meant. But, anyway. Uh, the Mallorys were really kind, and they took pity on him. Uh, Davenport said himself that they, quote, took me in out of pity and compassion and engaged to leave me the, some... Whoa. And engaged to let me have some clothing of which I stood in special need. Hmm. So, very kind people. Uh, so, the family consisted of Caleb Mallory, Jane Mallory their daughter-in-law, who I don't know the name of, their daughter, who I don't know the name of, and their three grandchildren, Charlotte, who was nine, John, who was six, and Sherman, who was four. Okay. Um, so around two months into his stay with the Mallorys, uh, Davenport convinced the two Mallory daughters to leave the farm on a trip. Okay. Then, at about midnight on February 3rd, Davenport entered the main house with a swingle, which this is a swingle. Oh, so that's kind of the thing you connect to um, that connects to like horses yeah, to I pull so. carts and things. It's the all right. Yeah. Uh, so that's a swingle. He entered. Or is that? All right, I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm trying to think of also that's used for farming or something. But go ahead. 
Yeah, I don't really know much about farming tools, but... So he he's carrying that into the house? Yes, and a candle. Okay. Uh, so he, he beat Caleb, Jane, and Charlotte to death. With the swingle. First with the swingle, then with the butt of a gun he grabbed while in um, Caleb and Jane's room. All right. Um, so sort of how it went down was first he went to Caleb and Jane's room. He didn't kill them outright. Um, he beat them, um, until they were like left weak and like moaning in their beds pretty much. Um, but they were so still he's torturing alive, them pretty much. All right. Then he left their room and went to Charlotte's room. Who's a nine year old. Uh, he, okay. According to Davenport, Charlotte quote, cried out bitterly she called out for me or to me by the name the pleasant child used to call me saying mr nicholas but i continued paying on feeling no remorse at killing my aged patrons and benefactors for the child i seem to feel some there's a lot of comments in here i seem to feel some small relentings without remitting in the least my execrable exertions so this is what he, when he confessed yes this is way later but yeah, that's what he described. So he beats the parent, the gr- the grandparents, the grandparents, and then he almost to death. Then he kills goes Charlotte, to Charlotte's room, kills her with the swingle, and um, so then the other two boys that were awakened by the noise uh, were told by Davenport that their grandmother was sick and to go back to bed. Uh, so they obliged, reporting uh, reportedly sobbing as they went back to their rooms. Then uh, Davenport looted the house of all its valuables, returned to the elder Mallory's room, and killed them. Um, so Davenport changed out of his bloody clothing and set the house on fire to cover his tracks. Uh, Davenport. Wait. So the two boys were still inside. So they didn't. They didn't leave when the house went on fire. No, they were still in their beds. Oh my God. So, Davenport fled on a horseback, believing that authorities would think he was killed in the fire as well. Um, so, the two boys, John and Sherman, both died in the fire, leaving all the occupants of the house dead. But the parents were out because he told... The daughter and the daughter-in-law. I don't know about the f- their the fathers. Father. Okay. Um, but he convinced the daughter and daughter-in-law to leave. And Maybe the, the father was fighting. The, oh, that's a good point. And the, well, yeah, so it was the, all right, the daughter and the daughter, okay. Yes, so, um, because Davenport had used his brother's identity to get the job, Nicholas was first ad- arrested, uh, and in some historical accounts, Nicholas was thought to be an accomplice or helped, or, like, thought to have helped cover up the murders for his brother, um, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But Davenport managed to hide in a cave for six days before being found and taken into custody. All right. So he loots, he puts a thing on fire. The two, the daughter and the daughter-in-law are somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Who pins it on him? Well, I think they found that Nicholas had an alibi. No, no, no. no. Like, so the police show up or whoever shows up constable i guess i don't know what they had right. at the time it's the seven you know early uh america mm-hmm. um and 
because again, they realized that he did not burn. Like, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is that there was the two daughter and the daughter-in-law that weren't there. So it, was it them that said it had to be Nicholas or? I Yeah, I think it, it was them and also probably Nicholas himself. Like if his brother like was getting all, into all these things. Yeah, but things. somebody has to point it. Like, I guess what I'm trying to understand here is that there's uh, the place is burned down. Now there's suspects. Who originally is like, oh, it's Nicholas. I mean, yeah, it's probably the daughters then. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, there wasn't much information on this. There was no, that's like fine. the daughters just weren't mentioned past like because, them but, being okay. told right. to leave. All right. So, okay. Um. So they f- he's in a cave. They found him after six days yep. and arrested him. So that historian I was talking about, his name is uh, Michael John Cavallaro. Um, and he's a historian from New Milford. Uh, and he was able to unearth the only surviving copy of Davenport's confession, uh, which was 14 pages long. Oh. And he found it in the summer of 2010, and it declared that Nicholas was not involved. So he said it wasn't my brother, it was yeah, just a, it was okay. just me. All right. Uh, so a lot of the information was from this historian. Like okay. He like went real deep into this case, like found all these documents, um, which is where I got a lot of this information. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the trial, uh, Davenport's trial was presided over by Roger Sherman, who was the founder of New Milford. This is him. Yeah, he's spooky looking. He is spooky looking. Looks like somebody you do not want to cross. Yeah. Yeah. He's got one of those faces. Um, so he was sentenced to 40 lashes and a hanging at Gallows Lane in Litchfield in May of 1980, or sorry, not 19, 1780. All right, so they caught him pretty much. So it's basically, bang, you're caught, tried. Now you're going to be... Yes. Also, Nicholas received a sentence of 40 lashes and life in prison at Newgate Prison. For what? I think because I thought he was on a conference or something, and I know the confession, but... I don't know why they sentenced him still. Oh, my God. But this is what happened. So Nicholas was forced to stand in the gallows and watch his brother be hanged. He probably was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then he went to prison um, but escaped only to be caught again and then was released after two years. Oh, man. I That was pretty, yeah, pissed me off. But... Um, yeah, so, like I said, this was the first mass murder. And, obviously, it it changed completely how America, like, viewed criminals. So, um, up until the murders, crime was seen as committed by common sinners and who had lost their way. Right. But the press's portrayal of Davenport changed, like, completely how people viewed crime. Criminals became something like evil and alien to society, which still is present today. So you're saying that before this mass murder, if you killed somebody, it was just a sin. Yeah, people people like would be like, and "Oh, it's a sin." And you'll atone, and that's yeah, not. and like pray for you and things like that. But after this, like the the lack of remorse and the like his super long confession and his like. I think just demeanor in general 
and obviously like the press portraying this i'm gonna actually read you an article but um like people were like outraged by this and it completely changed like people just criminals were no longer someone to be like praying for but just someone so what's interesting though though to that is the salem witch trials were in the 1600s right yes so that though i think that the difference would be like witches aren't they wouldn't think of them as just like human criminals they're just supernatural yeah sort of something so like evil and wicked and not like i don't know i don't think they're it's the same thing as like a oh, common wow. sinner that's just okay hmm. um but so this is an article from the new england gazette gazetteer yeah gazetteer okay um so it says um washington connecticut uh this town has been the theater of one of the most atrocious murders ever committed in new england the murderer was a man or rather fiend by the name of barnett davenport from his own confession it appears that his parentage and early education were exactly fitted to produce his wicked life and tragical end untutored and unrestrained by a parental government he was left to grow up at random in the morning of life no morality was inculcated upon him and no sense of religion either by precept or example on the contrary he was from early years unprincipled profane and impious before he was nine years old he was an expert in cursing and swearing (laughs) (laughs) and adept at mischief at 11 years he began to pilfer at 13 he stole money At 15, he entertained thoughts of murder and rapidly waxed harder and bolder in wickedness. At 19, 20, uh, he actually murdered a family in cold blood. I feel like this is just somebody trying to get sensationalist about the whole thing. And I'm what I'm just trying to put my head across is that across. Well, I guess my mind, I should say, I guess is that wrap your head around. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so that's it. I'm. There was so much more. To, I mean, like the Indian, like the, there was so much yeah. bloodshed, and I don't know. I just it kind of angers me. I mean, the guys should be whatever, not, but just I'm just thinking how much more death was there, and then there just I mean they at the time, if this is what appalled folks and again, it wasn't appalling murder, right. but. I'm pretty sure there were much more gruesome deaths just from war, from, you know, Native Americans, um, slavery. I mean, I guess for this to be the first, there needs to be like 800 asterisks. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So I guess I would say is that, yeah, maybe it changed the mind, but you know what? Then you're late to the game. They're all late to the game. Yeah. So obviously like there were like the massacres and stuff in America before that, but I think like it's the first like uh, mass murder by a single no, person. No, I, I, I get, and again, I, th- I think it's cool to hear the, that cool. It's the wrong word. Um, I, I think it, I understand the historical component mm-hmm. to this. I just think that it's to call it the first. I, I'm sorry. You can't. 
It's just, you can sit there and call, hey, when the, the, the you woke, they woke up, like the, you know, trying to, try not to be offensive here. Um, the, <laughs> I don't even know how to say the right word without being offensive. Um, these folks, oh, now we can decide that this is something evil versus mm. look what we have done based on religion to all these other people, all these other peoples, I should say, right? Yeah. So I, I, it's to me, it's kind of hypocritical. It's a, mockery, it's a mockery of the whole thing. And again, good that it's, you know, it's categ- it got categorized this way. But, and again, I'm not taking it anywhere from your story. I just think that for that guy to say that, uh, no, it's... There's just been too much bloodshed beforehand and things like that. So when you, you can talk about mass murders and things like that, but um, you can sit there and say that, oh, this is when, hey, these folk figured out that, oh, this is bad. Mm. And because again, like just think of how, uh, how did it change it, right? Like what was it that changed people's mind to say like, oh, this is a sin and we'll pray for it versus, oh my God, there's some evil behind it and again there's probably more to it because it seems like this guy also had some mental issues but at the end of the day you know the there was a lot more pain infliction being done so i'm gonna yeah. get off my high horse now and just, leave it at that. <laughs> i just you know it's hard for me to just sit there and listen to that and say like oh yeah i mean i never heard of it and um the guy just sounds awful yeah he, he was I mean, he was expert at swearing, so, you Well, know. I mean, you know, I could, that's that's it. You're done right there. You know, <laughs> you're going down. That's a red flag. It is. It is, you know. It's, like, way above, like, killing small animals or mutilating Yeah, <laughs> that's a sign. If they can swear at nine years old, whew. Yeah. Oh, man. So we should be locking both you and your brother up, I guess. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so my last thing. Uh, Gallows Lane, where he was put to death, still exists. This is all a picture. Here it is. So, but he was hung then. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, Gallows Lane. You can go visit it if you want. <laughs> I'm wondering how many, if it, you know, how many people actually live on Gallows Lane. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It must be, be haunted then. Hey. <laughs> hey. Thanks kidding. for that eye roll. <laughs> wow. That hurt. Yeah, never heard of that. Huh. So, yeah, that's, that's my story. All righty then. Cool. Cool. All right. So my story is, uh, it has a little bit of everything in it. A little bit of everything? Yeah. I wouldn't say it's everything in between. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so there's murder, haunting, um, I guess, you know, haunting and paranormal are pretty much one and the same. What's the urban legend aspect? Okay. So it's not everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is there is some urban legend to it as well. All right. I'm excited. Of a, Actually, I think they may have used the word wizard, but I always thought it was warlock. What's the difference between a wizard and a warlock? I don't know. That would be something that I would like to look up. Because warlock is a male witch. It's wizard just like, you know, you're a little bit, it's like uh, you're the CEO. I don't don't know. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to start off now, if that's okay with you. Um, Okay. It says that they're like the same thing. Wizard and warlock usually refer to a male, while witch usually refers to a female. In witch world, a man who showed some abilities as a witch was called a warlock. The term warlock is sometimes used to indicate a male witch in fiction. In witch world? Yes, I don't know what witch world is. Oh, it's good to know. All right. 
Yeah, you ready? It just says, I guess it's the same thing. Okay, good to know. Here we go. You might close your eyes. I'm going to get you to... ready. Okay, all right. You're in your bedroom. Okay. It's your safe space. No, no. Your comfort space in the house. Not anymore, it's not. Maybe you, sound, you surround yourself with some extra pillows or stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. You're under your sheets. Mm-hmm. And depending on the season, you have that fluffy comforter mm-hmm. or your favorite blanket. Mm-hmm. It's bedtime. Mm-hmm. You've said goodnight to your parents, your mm-hmm. siblings, your partner, and or you know your roommates, depending on your living situation. Mm-hmm. You lay your head on your pillow and close your eyes. Mm-hmm. At first, your mind wanders. You are mm-hmm. playing your day. Maybe you cringe a little bit at an embarrassing moment from the day. A little bit. Or you're still trying to come up with that witty comeback to a comment that you received at lunch. This feels like really directed at me right now. Whatever it is, it's just noise. Mm -hmm. You force yourself to move on. You start to think about tomorrow and the things that need to get done. Mm -hmm. That isn't really helping you to relax, but it kind of is. The mental workload is starting to work in your favor. As you try to concentrate, your inner visions are receding. Your current thoughts are fading. You're drifting into slumber. Mm-hmm. Everything goes dark. And you are now asleep. Mm-hmm. You feel safe, mm-hmm. warm, mm-hmm. peaceful, mm-hmm. and awake the next morning. Okay. Your eyes open. It's dark. You're confused. You blink rapidly to get your eyes to focus on something, anything. You're coming out of your slumber, and you realize that it's not morning. You want to know what the time is. You pick up your phone. It's 3.15 a.m. Oh, my God. You wonder why you're awake. Oh, my God. What's the noise? What is it, a noise? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Your eyes and your mind start to search the room. Questions are bombarding you. Did I shut the door? Oh, my God. Is the closet door open? Did I leave it open? Wait, did I lock up the house? Did I just see something move? Why are there shadows in the pitch black? Oh, my God. Why is the comforter at my feet? Oh, my God. You start to feel the weird sensation, as if your spine is tingling. The hairs on the back of your neck and arms are raised. Your eyes start to water. And then your mind asks, is there somebody or something else in here with me? Oh, man. 3.15 a.m. Yes, you're doing this. You're in the witching hour. Only bad things can happen when you're suddenly awakened at this hour. At least that's what we've learned in folk tales. Lore, urban legends, or what the movies have taught us. 3.15 a.m. November 14th, 1974. Yes. A father and mother and their four children were fast asleep in their safe spaces. Yes. Two of the six would awake and realize that they weren't alone. It wouldn't matter as all of them would be shot dead by a 35 caliber Marlin 336 rifle. Maybe the two who did wake were alert enough to recognize the killer. 23-year-old Ronald Joseph Butch DeFeo. The son and brother of the victims, Ronald Sr., 44, Louise, 42, Dawn, 18, Allison, 13, Mark, 12, and John, 9. Ugh. However, it would be on February 13th, 1976, in Pachogue, New York, when a couple in their mid-30s would hold a press conference in their attorney's office. At the conference, they would begin to weave a tale of their experience at 112 Ocean Avenue. Combined with the DeFeo mass killings, the public would be introduced to one of the most infamous haunted house cases in history, the Amityville Horror. 
Oh my god. Can you please tell the story your story with this? So I am going to tell you my personal component about this, but let me get into a little bit more, right? All right. This like I so this story made a huge impression on me growing up. The book The Amityville Horror, a true story, and that's a component, a true story was in the title by Jay Anson was released or would be released on September 13th of 1977 and it immediately caused a sensation. Yeah, but the Anvil Horror specific part is only about the 28 days that the Lutz family survived the house and not the DeFeo murders. Okay. The book would make the New York Times bestsellers list and it would become a movie in 1979. Plus, there would be a whole host of other films afterwards. Wasn't Ryan Reynolds in one of them? They made a remake in 2005 with Ryan Reynolds, but 79 was uh, um, James Brolin, Margot Kidder were the two um, leads. They played George and Kathy Lutz. Mm-hmm. All right. So the movie as I said, was being released in 79. It was released in the summer of 79. We had just moved, or we were in the process, I should say, of moving. We sold our house where we were, and we are moving kind of across town. Um, so I wasn't aware of it. I mean, I was young. I was only nine years old. <laughs> um, but then I saw the trailer on TV. So I knew nothing about it when it was happening in real time, any of this other stuff, or the book at that moment. But the trailer came on, and I just remember this one particular part of the trailer, that there's this priest in this house, flies all over him, and a disembodied voice just says, get out. Oh, and no. And I was like, that's it. I'm hooked. What is this? Um, and the rest of the country, too, was just kind of like, what is this all about? The book would be re-released in paperback right before the movie was coming out. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, again, coinciding with it. And it also, again, was back on the New York Times bestseller list. I think it actually never actually left the New York Times bestseller list really? for, for that period. Because it was a true story. Um, and news reporters would be, you know, pretty much at the house once the movie was coming back out and all these other things. Um, and, of course, not my favorite. Your my favorite. favorite. Ed and Lorraine Warren the were Warrens. involved. Yay! They were involved in 76. Um, and I think they were, I believe they were in the book, too. So I'm starting a new school, going into the fourth grade, and uh, was just fascinated by this story because, again, it's a true story. Wow. It must have been a great first impression to everyone you met. <laughs> I don't think I actually talked about this out loud. Um, so starting school, don't know anyone, new house, like the whole thing. Mm. Um, again, I don't have like a close group of friends because, again, I don't really know that many folks. But during school, we had to do a book report. So... My first book report, I was like, I'm doing it on the Amityville Horror. Oh, my God. Uh, and let's just say that that didn't go very well, over well with the teachers. Uh, and I guess I guess it was the vice principal, maybe the principal, I don't remember. Um, and they were saying, this is not appropriate for a fourth grader. Yeah. And, you know, I really can't argue with that. But, but at the time, I kind of figured now where I got my stubbornness from because my dad, you know, God bless him. Um, was going to fight for me because the school sent this note home saying that, that I remember bringing this note home, just saying that I wasn't allowed mm. to do this book report on the end of the horror. And my dad wasn't having any of it. So I do remember we we had this meeting with the teacher and I, and I must have been the vice principal. I doubt the principal would have been there, but we're in the room sitting down and uh, all I just remember, adults, 
you know, mm. wah, 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 you know, I just go back and forth. <laughs> I hear my name here and there, that kind of thing. But uh, the way it ended, and I do remember this part, um, they were just saying, like, look, again, here's why you can't, you know, you know it's, it's this is scary material. You know, they were kind of worried for the other kids in the class. Um, but they basically left it as, okay, if you think it's okay, read the book. If you think it's fine for your son, then sure, he can read the book. It's, it's, you just have to make sure it's okay. So wait, if he read the book before you, right? How, how much time did you have to do this book report? Cause like, no, my dad read it in, I want to say he read it over a weekend. Like I just oh remember God. him saying, you know, if he's going to do this, you know, I'm going to let him, he can, he, maybe he didn't read every word, but he, you know, he read, he read it. And then, huh. so he reads the book and he's okay with it. And school's fine with that as well. And then, you know, he's handing me this book. And the one thing he could say to a kid or what you wouldn't, you should never say to a kid is don't read this at night. Of course, I take that as a dare, which pretty much every kid would take <laughs> as a dare. And I remember spending, you know, nights. I had to read it fast. I think I only had, a, you know, a week or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I, again, I don't remember how much time. But I just remember being in my room, like those things, covers over, flashlight, reading this thing. And uh, it messed with my head. And there are particular parts I'll talk about when I go through it uh, that really scare the crap out of me. Um, but I did my report. I remember my the cover vividly. It was on light blue construction paper. And I drew the 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 iconic house, the frame mm. of the house with the the windows that kind of look like eyes. I, right. I so I, I've you. seen it. It's, it's on the cover of the paperback book. Actually, I found the picture of the the paperback book that I had. And please tell me that you saved it so I we can put it on. It. I did save it. Um, I have to. Okay, let me just say to everyone listening that every single week when we do the the website, the pictures on the website. I always have pictures saved. He never has pictures saved. So he's just like, oh, yeah, you know. You because I, sa- I, I gave them. you my links to my sources and they're you all there. You did not. I, 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 yeah. That's a lie. I have well, to go anyway, hunting for your pictures every I just, single time. Fine, whatever. Um, geez, it's so hard because <laughs> of your research. Um, anyway, I do remember the picture and I think I, I either drew a pig's head in one of the windows or I put two dots of an eye oh my in God. the window kind of thing. And I'll just say, I got an A. <laughs> I think we both did really concerning things in fourth grade. Oh, that's right. You did Because that. I did. I'm going to tell a story if you don't mind. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. So we did a project on the Mayans. And we had to. <laughs> um, so I was also in fourth grade. I was nine. Um, and we had to do like some sort of visual like art thing and then like a story. So um, for the record, I was the only person in my class who wrote from the opposite gender. So, you know. Just say the way I remember it. I feel like the teachers like this is the first time we've ever seen this, so they were they were impressed. Like, and that's were... not the only thing. It was the first time exactly. they'd ever seen. Yeah. So for my art component, I did a diorama of a sacrifice. <laughs> um, made the little clay like sacrifice table. The person getting their tongue ripped out. The little bowl that had like the stuff. blood. Yep, the blood. <laughs> I um, I think you came in the day we were making it to help other people make their their diorama. Yeah, no, thing. I was. Yeah. But I, so I remember you, so when then we were there, the day they were presenting it where it, you know, you have the, the class uh, breakfast or whatever it mm-hmm. was. So every, all the parents are there. And I just remember your mom and I, we went around, of course we went to yours and we read the, um, Which the I'll essay talk about first. In a second. Um, so I remember reading the essay and <laughs> I was like, mm, yeah, all right. You know, and I, I, I was laughing and all that stuff. And your mom and I were just like, mm, okay, we put it down. <laughs> and then I just remember 
we look at other some other kids, you know, and then we went kind of like to the back, you know, had some food and just kind of, and then we're like, we just watched people because we wanted to see their reaction when they read your your essay. So go ahead. Go ahead. So my essay, uh, we had to like, like again, we had to write from someone who like lived in in the ancient Mayan era, and so my character was um, training to be a priest, and. Um, he he got called home from school one day and they were like oh we're gonna have you perform a sacrifice and he was like okay uh and then turns out the person he had to sacrifice was his father so i wrote in some vivid detail um him stabbing his father or i don't remember exactly what the ritual was but take like taking his heart out and stuff and you know well he had to do it to become yeah he had to yeah. do it to become the priest and so he was forced to kill his father and i wrote all about that it was really great so we're sitting <laughs> watching and then you just see because again you know you're just this, you were this little dainty everybody's like oh little emma that kind of thing and i was so tiny people would just pick it up they start reading and then their face would just be completely mouth open yeah like stopped and you could tell they got to a point and they just stopped reading and they put it down and then kind of looked around and walked away but I do remember one of I can't remember which parent it was, but there was a parent that came up to me and just said, "Better sleep with one eye open." Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but anyway, so yeah, so we both and have did true, um, and woke up at three fifteen a.m. Hey. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, yes, yeah, so we both have those great stories. So good, good. Um, so the sources I'm going to talk about to go through this um, are well, basically the book, the the Jay Anson's book has a lot to do with the 79 movie just because I remember some of it. But then Wikipedia again has a bunch of detail. Um, and then Topic had some info, just kind of talking about what's true, what's not. And all that's interesting had a bunch of things. So the thing again, like I want to say is I was mesmerized by this story. You know, I mean, it was true. It's It was just this haunting thing. And I guess I just wanted to believe so much. So again, like I want to say is that I was mesmerized by this story. It was something else i i just it it was incredible so i was just so so in tune with what was going on and again 79 went on and then it kind of goes through the 80s so i'll talk about that and i'll just talk about my viewpoint and stuff like that all right here we go so on december 19th 1975 the lutz family moved into 112 ocean avenue in amityville in new york amityville is off of long island um the home had a name it's called high hopes there was a sign in front of the, do- uh, the driveway. The house sat on the south shore of Long Island. It abutted the water. They had a boathouse. Um, and the house sold for, you know, I don't want to say peanuts, but it was incredibly cheap. And mainly because I mean, there was yeah. a mass murder just the previous November, right? So this is December of, actually not the previous December. Um, yeah, 74. It was November of 74 that mm. he killed. So the previous year. Um, George and Kathy Lutz were fully aware. They knew the history. It wasn't as if they were being sold a bad bill of goods. And they were okay. And the reason they did was that she was, uh, this was her second marriage. And from her first marriage, she had three kids. Uh, Daniel was nine, Christopher was seven, and Melissa, she went by Missy, who was five. Um, She had had her own home. He had a home too. So basically, this was a way to start together as a new family. And Mm. because of the, the location, the size of the house, everything else, um, you know, it was a steal for them. They also had a dog, Harry. Um, when they moved in, or when they were purchasing and closing on the house, all the furniture was still there from the DeFeos. And 
because they didn't have a whole host of money. They just, it was part of the purchase price. I think they got all the furniture for 400 bucks included. Now, again, this is December 19th is when they move in, 1975. Mm-hmm. By the time, and I don't know when they first saw the house and when they were closing, but usually to close on a house takes at a minimum 30 days, but usually it could be as much as six weeks. So if you do the math, we're talking November, maybe October, mm-hmm. they're in there. So the trial for Butch DeFeo is going on while they're looking at this house. Really? And Yeah. So the trial is wow. front and center in, in, in the papers. Almost a year after the murders, on the 21st, November 21st of 75, he was convicted on all six counts of murder. On December 4th of 75, mm-hmm. he was sentenced to six counts of, uh, on the six counts, 25 years to life. Um, I actually believe that I think the, the, the trial started in October 14th. Oh, so okay. October 14th, the trial started. November 21st, they got the conviction. So it wasn't a long trial, but I mean, oh, still today. almost a month. And I mean, who knows what's in breaks in between there. So I, I assume that's right before Thanksgiving when they, when they convicted him. I'm thankful for... <laughs> During the trial, his defense was that he killed the family because he, uh, be- in self-defense, because he was hearing voices that were plotting against him. So, you know, immediately he was going to this insanity plea. Um, and the, the plea was supported by a psych- psychiatrist for the defense. But a psychiatrist for the prosecution maintained that DeFeo was an abuser of heroin and LSD. He had antisocial behavior and was aware of his actions at the time of the crime. Oh, wow. Are you going to go in, in, like, in depth with the crime, like, talk about... I heard something about like how he went to a bar or something, and so I don't. I can just. I I know if you want, I'll just say. It. So basically, what happened was, he went to a bar that that evening, was drinking like around six o'clock, from six o'clock on, he was oh, wow. drinking. Then he left, and went to the house, mm-hmm. and around three fifteen, he went to the house and basically, with that gun, went f- first went into his parents' room. He shot uh, his dad twice. And then his mom twice, and apparently his mom's the one who woke up. He didn't have a silencer on this, on the gun though, right? Then he went into each room and shot each kid with one. Uh, I don't. I basically, so not everyone woke up because of the gun. I, I think one of the younger kid daughters, the, one of his sisters. I don't think the older sister woke up. I think the younger sister woke up. Mm. But he killed them all. And then the thing was, they were all repositioned with their on their stomachs in all the same. They were all in the exact same position. On their stomach. He put them in that position. Yeah, because th- some got up and things like that. So they believe that the bodies were moved oh. into a in the same exact position, all of them. So then he went back early, early morning to that same bar, which was open twenty. It's called the Witch's Brew. The bar it was, and it was open for twenty four seven. And at like six o'clock in the morning, he walked in saying, "Oh my God, my 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 parents had been shot. Somebody help me." So then they rushed there and found that his parents were shot. And, I mean, you know, so he was just basically like he wasn't, you know, he walked into this thing in the morning. But then they realized that they'd been dead for a certain amount of time. So, again, the trial's going on. He's saying he's hearing voices. All the stuff's going on. George Lutz had a friend who was intrigued by the trial and the history of the house, right, and the claims that DeFeo was doing. So this person... um, and this is, again, George Lutz's claim that she decided to basically do some digging on the history of the house. And this is what she discovered. And now what I'm about to say are multiple versions you'll hear. So the first version is this. 
that a 17th century sorcerer from Salem. Oh, God, it's a sorcerer, not even a wizard or warlock. Oh which I've not. There's too many. Pick one. A 17th century sorcerer from Salem, Massachusetts, who was supposedly driven out of Salem for practicing witchcraft. Whoa, and allegedly he's subs- driven out and not like burned to death like all the women were? Exactly. Like, what the hell? And he allegedly you know, took residence up in Amityville. His name was John Ketchum. And that he performed <laughs> sat- satanic, satanic rituals on the land where the house would, now stands. Oh my! Another version was that the house was the alleged alleged site of an ancient um, enclosure for the sick, mad, and dying, operated by the uh, Shinnecock Indian Nation. Another story was that combined the two that Ketchum actually tortured the mad and ill um, oh, Native so Americans wow. on this property of land so in the book it was i they, they talk a little bit about um ketchum mm-hmm. and i think that the indian burial ground piece i don't i think like that that was just kind of lore so there may have been some talk about it but that's the story so basically lutz is hearing that there was a sorcerer that was doing this or there was you know was it insane you know ins- for the sick uh of this sick um hospice or whatever for Mm -hmm. for um, these native americans and she basically was like look you need to get this house blessed because there's just bad juju and you know the the, the murders and this and that so george and kathy weren't very they didn't practice religion i think she was catholic he was methodist but they weren't practicing it um or you know going to church or whatever maybe and George is like, I don't even know what it means to be blessing a house. And Catherine's like, well, it's, you know, you get a priest and you do this, that, blah, blah, blah. So George actually had a friend. He knew or knew this one Catholic priest that lived close by, Father Ralph uh, uh, Pecoraro. They, they use different names. In the movie, I think it's called Mancuso, but his real name is Father Pecoraro. I'm just going to call him Father Ralph because I'm going to mess up that name. And he agreed to bless the home. Okay. All right. And it's from that blessing on that the horror starts. <laughs> Okay. Seems like he did not bless it well. So here are all the events and occurrences. And a lot of this, I just kind of just took things out from the book, things from Wikipedia. Like these are just straight through of all the things that happened. That reminds me, um, like when, it seems like in all of the stories we cover, like when someone blesses the house, things always get worse. Like with... Um, well, it's supposed, I mean, again, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Because with my first, my very first story on this podcast, you weren't there, but I did Pontefract. And they bless the house, yeah. and things. Well, got it's worse. because it's it it it, it it's it's a um, shot across the bow, right? For demons, it's that okay. Now we're going to war because right. if you don't banish them, or if they don't get banished, then they're like, oh, you coming at me? Yeah, you know. Because right? then, yeah, I also talked about that in my uh, what's what's it called? You were definitely there for that one, but it was a house and and um, it's the one with the nun, the headless. Oh, oh, um, not the headless nun, the, the nun. In rectory it? yes boiler re- rectory right 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 wow um which is weird because the recommendation for some of this was the boiler rectory really for this story yeah in the in one of the wikipedia it says you know similar was the they rectory. were they're they're kind of similar all right so on december 18th the day um before they moved in right mm-hmm. george and kathy are actually there with you know the moving trucks they're moving boxes and dropping things into the house and that kind of thing um Father Ralph shows up and arrives, and the Lutz greet the Lutz family greet or the Lutzes greet them greet him, and ask the father if he can just doesn't mind like go ahead go in go bless the house we gotta just move all this stuff because you know, kids are coming tomorrow. Mm. 
So he goes into the house and um, he's going from room to room, you know, with the holy water, just blessing room to room. He, you know, finally finds himself upstairs into one particular room. And when he enters the room, he is shocked how cold the room is. Oh, man. I need to and get some he's, heating. And as he starts the blessing, he starts to hear this voice demand, get out. Oh, no. Um, and oddly, he gets out, <laughs> but doesn't tell the Lutzes. What? What? He, what? he just kind of walks out and leaves. Um, so in the movie and, and in the book, I... There's this whole part where there's also flies swarming around and all this other stuff. Isn't that like, isn't there like a certain demon that has flies or? Uh, there might be. I but can't remember because I think they did this on In Last We Drink. There was like a possession that they were talking about and like there were flies that would just come out of nowhere. Let me just, I'll tell you a story. So yeah, there, people always say like winter, how can there be flies? Um, way back, your mom and I and the, like the, the, um, I think we went with our, you know, with Saptinos, we went with the other, our other couple friends, the Whites. There was a bunch of us. I don't think you guys, you maybe you were, it might have been when you were born, but we went to go skiing. And we went to this house in Mount Snow in Vermont. What a creative name. And uh, when we got to the house, mm-hmm. we it, there was just flies everywhere. Really? Yeah, everywhere in the house kind of thing. So um, we were just kind of like, the first thing, of course, when we walk in with, with Saps, we're just like, get out. Oh, no. I mean, but, I mean, it can happen. But I, think, but I just want to say that that's what the priest was saying. And the reason I'm saying that is that it comes back later about the flies because it didn't happen. <laughs> the flies. So, but he doesn't say anything to the family, right? Leaves. Uh-huh. Christmas Eve. So, mm-hmm. 19th, 18th, they're doing that. Blessed on the 18th. All right. 19th they Wait, 18th in. of December? 18th of December. Ed Kemper's birthday. So 18th of December, they are blessed. 19th they move in. Mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, the same year. Father Ralph calls mm-hmm. the Lutzes. George picks up the phone. And Father Ralph was like, hey, just don't go into this one room. He's telling him, like, you know, oh don't go God. in this room. Why would you do that? And George is like, why? And trying to get detail. And as they're getting detail, the phone just gets full of static to the point where the calls dropped. Wow. And... Thank goodness for texting. Right. So George and Kathy had already decided they wanted to make that room her sewing room. So I don't know if they got the so great really details. So really it's just George doesn't want his wife to have a hobby. So, well, no, George is like, all right, whatever, you know, but they didn't do anything about it because he never calls back. I don't, you know, whatever it may be. But that room that he was talking about was the room of Mark and John, the mm. fail, the baby, the, the youngest kids that Aww. were killed. Shortly after that call... Father Ralph would develop high fe- high fever, and then he would get blisters similar to like oh. stigmata, like you know, like when you get the things on where um, stigmata is where uh, um, it's in the palms of your hands where you get marks, and that's where you know when Jesus was crucified, um, the where the nails were. That's oh. the stigmata, is something like that kind of thing. Wait, is it a real thing or yeah, is it like a, a religious no, thing? No, it's a well, it's, it's a Catholic thing, stigmata. But you can actually get it. Uh, it, it's, it's, if you believe in exorcism, yes. Or exorcism. But like, okay. Did people who say, oh, I got this thing actually have like that mark in their hand? I don't know if it's ever scientifically been proven that, oh, okay. but it's, it's happened and there's cases. They just, I don't know what. It, okay. Like All right. Mean. So now here are the other events and occurrences. Almost 
consistently for the 28 days that they were there, George Lutz would wake up at 3.15 a.m. every morning and would go just check out in the boathouse. We'd just get up, wake up at 3.15, and then walk outside to check the boathouse. Just mindlessly, sort of? He just would find himself doing it, compelled to do it. What was in the boathouse? The house was plagued. The house had been plagued by swarms of flies, despite the winter weather. Debunked, really. Um, Kathy had vivid nightmares of the murders, and discovered in the and would discover like the order that they were killed. So she would wake up. She would have these, and around the same time at three fifteen, apparently she would have the nightmares. So when he came back from the boathouse, she would you know be like awoken about the murders. Mm. Um, the Lutz children apparently started sleeping exactly on, on the stomach, exactly in the same... Oh, I heard about that yeah, part. in the same uh, form. It reminds me of Veronica. Remember? Yeah, yeah. And I think we talked about the movie on here. I can't remember, but you should watch it if you haven't. That's uh, all I'll say about that. Okay, continue. <laughs> um, Kathy would always feel that she was being embraced in certain rooms. Actually, it's not certain rooms. I mean, she felt embraced in a, in a loving manner by an unseen force, but I feel like it was in the kitchen and I think the sewing room. Um, That's... George discovers this hidden room in the basement. It was about four by five feet that was behind shelving in the basement kind of thing, and the room was then... All, the room was all in red, so they called it the red room. That oh. also was debunked later because um, people who actually knew the DeFeos said, "Yeah, that was that room always existed. It's, it was like you know with toys and things like that." And they even said that the Def- that the Lutzes actually used it for storage themselves. Oh my! So, but you know, again, there were cold, cold spots and odors of perfume and excrement in certain areas of the house oh. where there were no drafts or. That's piping. like a gamble right there. Like either you get to smell some perfume <laughs> or like. Species. Yeah, pretty much. Oh my God. Um, one time while they were tending to the fire, George and Kathy saw the face of a demon etched oh. in the back of the in the ash in the like of the of the fireplace. Just you know, casually. Yeah, the Lutz's five-year-old daughter Missy developed an imaginary friend named Jody. This no. is, and this is the one that freaked me out the most. And in the end, they believed that it was a demonic pig that had glowing red eyes. She actually drew pictures of this thing. And it's funny. Some people are like, that looks like a cat. Okay, just drawing a cat. Versus I'm like, oh, that's a pig. Um, so, Yeah, but even if she's drawing a pig, like kids just draw pigs. I drew tigers. So this is the part where I remember reading this thing about Jody the pig. And, and there was a scene that... I remember in the book, the scene of the movie was even more freaky. And this is also where the doll thing kind of came in, where I like freaks me out about these little dolls. But there were so many times where she would be sitting there and she would um, have this rocking chair with her and she'd be having tea oh, with her no. kids. Or with this, and she'd be just talking to something. So her mom would be walking around and then she would just hear uh, Missy talking and they would be, oh, Jody, this and that. And the mom would come in and when she'd come into the room, the rocking chair would be moving. So she just thought, you know, Missy's doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was always this back and forth, back and forth. And then one point um, she did the same thing and she went into the room thinking that they were talking and Jody, I mean, uh, Missy was in the room, but the, the rocking chair was moving no. and there was like this doll in there. So then. Wait, so that she heard talking. She when? heard talking. She thought it was Missy. Went to the room. Nobody Nobody's was in, in the there. room. And it's just this rocking chair moving and the dolls there. Where the, was Missy? I don't know. So, um, and just so you know, like, 
well, we'll talk about something else. Then in the movie, there's a specific scene where they see these red eyes and then all of a sudden in the chair, you, you see the rocking chair move and the, and then you see the, the doll and they focus in onto that doll and the doll doesn't move, but the eyes, you know, are all. Oh. So it always freaked me out. Again, I was nine, I was 11 when the movie came out. When I got to see the movie, because it was on VHS in 81. All right. Okay, so um, they would, uh, George would wake up to the sound of the front door slamming. Oh, not good. And of course, he would run downstairs, and there'd be, that sometimes there would be nothing. Sometimes the door would just be wide open. And it was this thing where they thought that at one point, they'd, they'd talk about the door, and it was, broken outwards like someone was trying to get out of the house oh not into the house. no um, wait it was like a swing door no it was like a no no like the door was broken off the hinges to oh. go out now i believe that was more in the movie than it was in the book but i just remember like the whole thing is that somebody's trying to get out not trying to get in um george also realized that he was he had very similar features to um butch defeo oh so there was this part where he goes to the witch's brew because he starts drinking at the witch's brew mm. and the bartender is like oh my god like got the shivers because he's like you are the spitting image oh that's awful um and he did become like almost a regular customer in those 28 days that go in the witch's brew one time when they were closing missy's window kathy was closing it and as she closed the window the reflection in the window she saw two red eyes glowing no. at her. um while in bed once kathy received welts on her arms and on her chest from an unseen force and at one point was levitated two feet in the air as i said before locks doors windows of the house were damaged by unseen forces again it always seemed like something was getting out versus coming in on new year's day in 76 they found uh, hoof prints in the snow that looked like a pig wow um Green gelatin slime through the walls and oh my God, what is this, also through the keyholes and things like that. And the play and and also from the playroom, um, the playroom door from the attic, that's been debunked too. Um, oh my God. I mean, most of this has been debunked anyway. But I'm just going through the part that I just that they went through. A uh, 12 inch crucifix that was hanging in the uh, living room that Kathy had put in uh, apparently just revolved went turned upside down like while people were watching no, they oh. just came back and it was turned upside down and it had a foul smell to it how um, does that like like I, I i get if it's like demonic energy but like at the same time if you were like even if you were to fake it and wouldn't it not hang the opposite way unless you like put a thing on the other end of it logically yes huh. um at one point George saw Kathy age in front of him to almost age, like to 90 years old, just saw her like Raiders of the Lost Ark-ish kind of thing. It's like your skin not melting melting off you. Um, Missy would constantly sing in her room and then like when she left- In Latin. And when she left the room, she would stop singing, but the moment she walked into the door, she would sing as if the song had been playing. So she'd pick, so it wouldn't be, you know, it would- pick up you know where she where she would resume singing where where, where she i don't know off. if that's creepier than singing in latin um and then uh there were some other things that happened like uh at one point there was a talk that the, the brother had his hands in the window and the window slammed shut oh on him. i heard that one yeah they they debunked it too because he was telling the story later and then he changed the story mm. while he was telling it um and then uh 
the last thing was Kathy was in the sewing room and the window would just open and close by itself and like go up and down. It would went up and yeah, it would go back down. Oh man. By the by January eighth, George like I mean, all these things had happened. George then decided to like try to bless the house himself. So he would he went through the room reading the Lord's Prayer. Isn't and while, that like worse if you're not a priest and you try to bless the house? Uh, sure. I guess. I mean, I don't know much about Christianity, but I would think. Well, he was carrying a crucifix, and as he was doing it and saying that, they heard, and again, this disembodied voice, um, will you stop? Damn. Um, that just sounds like a demon being really annoyed. Like, yeah. oh my God, I'm trying to read. Like, yes. can you stop that? By the 14th, the Lutz family and their dog would just leave 112 Ocean Avenue and all the possessions and just would never return. Wasn't there something that happened with the dog though? So there's some saying that he took an ax to the dog and I think that's the No, moment. no, not that. Like The dog wouldn't go towards the red room. Nothing actually happened to the dog. It wasn't that either. So. I was talking about the thing where it like, maybe it was a different story, but like where the dog like had the leash and then it was like the leash, it like got dragged and the leash went over the fence and it was like getting choked or something and they saved it. Uh, it could have been one of the movies things like that. There was nothing that specific. I had. didn't see it. I read it somewhere or heard it. I don't remember. It might not have been Amityville, but. Well, a lot of the conjuring, both one and two, have pieces of this story. So even the, you know, the claps oh, God, from, that's the, from the conjuring thing. And the with the little girl having this conversation, who are you talking to? Mm. That's all kind of I think more of this than it is the um, the actual what happened at that house. It was like the Perrin family, right? Yes, yes. That's on our list. Um, so a lot of the things like I said were, were debunked later, just because of things because they, they would go through. So in the mid eighties, this is kind of like closing the whole thing, but of what happened, most if not all was considered a hoax. And I tell you, that crushed me, crushed me because it was that first ghost mm, story type yeah. things, you know, and you're like, this is, it's true in this and that. And the Warrens were, were also exposed for making certain things up. Father Ralph's story kept changing. There was a bunch of shows. There was a show called That's Incredible that we grew up on that we watched that did a, they went into the house. Um, there was a show called In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy, who would mm. do all these crazy things like he did Bermuda Triangle. Bigfoot like all it's kind of you know it's kind of the um not par- it wasn't all paranormal but they did a whole thing about the Amityville horror and they interviewed uh the father as well and they of course he was they didn't use his real name and he was you know the shadow figure kind of thing you know completely <laughs> that thing but he also changed a story between that, that that's incredible and new like, local news was doing a whole bunch of things then more as as these tv shows started exposing things the whole DeFeo hearing voices things, things started coming out about that. So his motive, Butch DeFeo's motive, was money. Butch was in need of cash, and recently, before the murders, um, Ronald Sr. Mm-hmm. had taken life insurance policies out on the whole family, just because, you know, that's something you do just because of whatever it is. So, right. And it was recent, it was within, that was kind of the, the uh, catalyst for butch mm. to kill him and butch was Ugh. you know he was on drugs he had there was ties with local criminals they don't know if he was you know gambling there was a whole bunch of things that he just needed money um and uh the, but the biggest tell from all this stuff is that everyone who's lived in the house afterwards and people moved in 
relatively oh wow relatively soon like after the Lutzes Lutz left no one's ever experienced experienced anything. anything and think about it right in a time where you have the Winchester house and you know when you talked about the hotel whatever it is Mizpah? people would use it they they want to they'll make money right so they right, can make it yeah. a, like none of these people have so a couple bought a, a couple bought the house in 1977 so mm-hmm. it's almost a year after I'm not sure when and they bought it for fifty thousand dollars the Lutzes had bought that house in eighty thousand for eighty thousand dollars. So the price was, just keeps going down. Well, they also believe so. If they bought it for eighty and you only got it for fifty, you have to make up that thirty. And thirty thousand dollars in the seventies is a lot of money. So there was a motive to make money. Oh. And again, that family never witnessed anything. Now here's what's interesting. So after so they bought it in seventy seven. They'd been living there when the book came out, right? The book came out in seventy around 76 I think I said right so they they were there when the book comes out the movie comes out in 79 they still live there and they are getting bombarded with people coming to visit 112 I remember when we were older like oh we should go out to Amityville and see the house no it's too far Um, oh come on so that family sued the Lutzes and Jay Anson the the author because oh wow it said true story and they're like, this isn't true. Like, you're making all this stuff up. You know, we've never seen it. We haven't heard. None of the stuff's coming through. And they end up settling out of court. But Anson did get to keep the true story part of the book. So whatever they settled for, part of the deal was he can still keep the true story. Wow. Later, but Jay... did he have to make, like, a disclaimer at the end? Be like... It changed wow. a little bit later. I don't think if you buy it now, it says... It might say based on true events or something instead of a true story. Uh, later, Jay Anson would... Um, thought that the true story might have been an exaggeration. And whenever he was asked about it by press or, or others, he would just say, look, I, he, he actually said, I believed in the story that I, that I wrote. Um, and he basically would give like this wry answer saying that, look, I'm a writer. I don't believe and I don't disbelieve. I leave that to the reader. Um, I believe that, that these people went through all the things that they saw and heard. I believe they believed. Like, I think he, what he was basically saying is like, look, I believe the Lutz family. Is crazy. <laughs> I believe the Lutz family believed that this happened to them. So it's just like. But does he really believe that? Well, though? that's how we can say seem... it's a true story. It's like, like, look, if you believe it's that whole thing, depending on certain people in high positions today, <laughs> if you believe a lie to be true and you believe it enough, is it true? No. Right. So, but if you believe it is. That's your true story. Yeah. You believe it. So if I say it's a true story because you believe it because you're saying it is, I'm not lying, but I mean, it's crap. It's complicated, too. It's just crap. But um, in 1980, at the age of 58, Anson died of a heart attack. So he never got to really go through explaining what was true, what was not. So like Aww, it kind of just man. happened, right? Now, here's the other crazy thing. When... Butch DeFeo was mm-hmm. uh, on trial. He, his lawyer, his name, his lawyer was William Weber. He was his defense attorney. And he came out saying that all oh, this was a lie. And he did it um, actually the day that the film was released, saying that this whole thing is a hoax, that he and the Lutzes came up with the story over multiple bottles of wine. Like they Are were just you drinking. serious? And the reason this even happened, they were to met together, was that there was, I don't know what publisher wanted to tell DeFeo's story. 
So I think he had to get the Lutzes also some, some maybe he had to get their their buy in on it or whatever it was. So the whole point was like let's try to tell this story and everything like that. And the Lutzes were in on it, and then they found out that the money that they would get from the story would also go to Butch. And they're like, he can't get money for killing people. So they were they were like, we're not keen on that. So another publisher connected the Lutzes with Jay Anson, and then all of a sudden the story happens. Oh, so, I see. Um, so the real question is that the way the whole story went through is that they concocted that there was the house is haunted. That's what caused the DeFeo murders. You and here's some things you've encountered. So what Weber, the defense attorney, said was that. That fake green slime, that was just the blood from the murders. So oh they were talking about the blood. And the flies were also, the whole thing about flies being in the room is because at the crime scene, when it happened, there was all these flies oh, kind right. of thing. So th- certain parts of the story were from the crime scene that got put into this whole horror story. So to completely finish, lastly, the address of the house is no longer 112. They changed it. Ocean oh, really? Avenue. Um the a couple of owners, I think they're on the third owner now since actually as of 2016, I think it was on sale for $850,000 and there's now a new owner of the house. Um, you didn't buy it? Um, but they've re, they, the, the whole facade is different now. The iconic windows, they got all, rid of, of everything? all of that's gone. Like, cause they don't oh. want people coming to the house. I mean, think yeah, about it. Like but if, it's still, I feel like it's pretty big in history, even if it is a hoax. But still, I mean, so everything has changed. The address has changed. I mean, you can find the address, but I'm not going to say it. They should make it a museum Um, of hoaxes or something. Yeah, but it's all all different. But again, you know, at the time, you got to think of During that period of time, the 70s, um, you had the Son of Sam murders going on in like 76 through 77. 70s and 80s were... All the murders happened yeah. then. Well, it was it also was it was different. Like the way you got your news was also different. Right. But um, you had that going on. The Boston Strangler was going on like years a little earlier. So there was all this crazy. But and then this just yeah. came out, and they called it the Amityville Horror because the Jay Anson it was um, it was in tribute to H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's The Dunwich Horror. That's oh, why I, I went see. through it. But I, I mean, when it happened, everybody was like this is the, this is real this happened um it wouldn't be like again to like the mid 80s when wow. everything goes on but even both kathy and george lutz passed away in the early 2000s and before that you know into their dying breaths they were like nope this happened and the son i think all the kids are still alive and one son admitted it or? well no he'll just say that no it, it, these things happen and not exactly the same way in the book the book was definitely there's some exaggeration but um i don't know there was a a documentary recently about it and they interviewed him i think it was the middle the middle son Hmm. um but yeah that that's it but it was oh when it happened it was you're just like and there was this weirdness where everybody just wanted to like yeah supernatural yeah so there you go the amityville okay uh, so my fun fact is kind of like a two-part fun fact. It's about Amityville. Uh, so thing number one, uh, they're both about like the 2005 remake film. Okay. So um, right when they began shooting, the body of a fisherman washed ashore on set. Ugh. Um, 
I, I don't think it was a murder or anything, but it was like right. Selling it home regardless. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, this is. This where, is did it say where they filmed? Nope. Okay. This is just from uh, Factonate. Gotcha. I think. And the other one is. Hold on. I'm trying to find it. Mm, okay. Um, during the filming of the that move of the remake, uh, certain members of the cast would begin waking up at three fifteen a.m. as well. So Ryan Reynolds and Melissa George and other crew members. I got you. I got some into character. It does. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it was hard to find fun facts this week. Yeah, like you said, there were so many movies, and um, when they did the second one, The Possession, they did it was like a prequel. It was about it was trying to be the murder of the DeFeos, and they, they there was a whole big th- story at one point that there was like this incestuous relationship between Butch and the oldest daughter, but I don't know, and that she was into the occult and all this other junk. Uh, uh-huh. So sure. I just think that it was whatever to fit the story to make money. But yeah, yeah, people will do anything for money. We covered this when we talked about Winchester. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, if you think that our fun facts were pretty sad this week. <laughs> Feel free to submit your own. Uh, you can email them to us at everythinginpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you have suggestions for stories, uh, we can always add more to our list, cover them. It'll be fun. Uh, also, if you've experienced your own stories, please, 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 please send them because I really, really want to make those like mini episodes because like I said in past episodes, I have the perfect name for them, and I'm waiting for them stories to be Well, sent I think in. you just need to set the time now, because you have at least four people that want to tell you, so you should just, you need to just pick the time and talk to them, so we get that. You can maybe do it over the break. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, so, yeah, possible ones coming out. We'll say March, maybe. We'll hope for March. It's all up to you. <sighs> maybe March. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so please... Send us your stories if you've experienced true crime, paranormal occurrences, or if you have urban legends from your town where you grew up or where other people you know grew up. Just send them in, please. Um, and also, you can submit those things to us through our website, which is www.everythingpodcast.weebly.com. We also have some other fun stuff on there, like uh, images for every episode, you know, the ones that I go digging for with no help from anyone else. Um, and yeah, we have other stuff on there. Don't know what. Uh, you can follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at everything in podcast. Our Twitter is at between underscore podcast. Our Facebook, we have a page and a group. They're both called everything in between podcast. So check us out there. Follow and like our page. Join our group. Do things. Say hi. And we announce episodes there. We post uh, other things there. Yeah. Um, cool. I think that's about it. But yeah, send in your stories, send in your fun facts, send in suggestions, and follow us. Um, oh, 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 rate, review, and subscribe on <laughs> Apple Podcasts because it really helps. And I keep forgetting, but please do. Um, okay. Don't think I forgot anything. <laughs> I think I covered everything. Cool. All right. See you next week. See Bye. You next week. Bye. <laughs>